or are you following your life? If you're leading your life, then you understand that you're in charge of it. And you understand that you have impact on everybody around you. You have influence on people around you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Mentors. This is the third continuation of Dove Barron's interview. Because I promise you, it won't just be you. And that is true. No matter how small you believe you are, you impact people. And that's important. And, and again, that's what leadership is. Leadership mm -hmm. is understanding. People go, you know, define leadership. Well, it's not CEO. That's not leadership. Leadership is really simple. You're already a leader. Now the question is, are you leading yourself? And people go, well, what do you mean? Well, have you heard the saying, lead your life? Are you leading your life? Oh, well, are you? Are you leading your life or are you following your life? If you're leading your life, then you understand that you're in charge of it. And you understand that you have impact on everybody around you. You have influence on people around you. So you might be a leader to your friend. You might be a leader to your sibling. You might be a leader to your parents. By the way, I have actually worked with people who are, who are, who are leading their parents. Wow. So you can be leading your community. You can be leading in any way, shape, or form. It's not a title. It's a commitment to have positive impact on those around you to be in service. Mm -hmm. And that is true. All throughout life, you're going to find that leadership. Even if you're at a young age and they call you bossy. That's something that I kind of got stuck on when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I was made fun of for being bossy. I was like, well, I'm not bossy. And now I got to reconnect with my fifth grade teacher. And she was like, I always knew you had leadership skills. <laughs> always knew you had leadership skills. Oh, isn't it's always interesting. interesting. <laughs> you know, we throw these... We throw these horrible limiting labels at people that make them feel ashamed mm -hmm. and shame is the most crippling of all emotions yeah so we throw a shame thing at you like you're bossy as and 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 we might say to a boy you know you've got leadership skills right oh we might say to a boy you're aggressive because you know mm -hmm. that's also shameful but as opposed to saying you're taking command of a situation you're showing leadership so here's the thing, and again, I want to challenge people to look at this. When you get shamed for something, are you hanging out with homeless people asking for financial advice? So again, I will not, be, I will not allow you to shame me when you don't know shit about what I'm talking about. Mm. You don't have that authority. And that, that, again, that's a muscle. It's going to take yes. work. Yes. You are going to feel the pain of it. You're going to feel the sting of... Somebody saying that. I remember somebody criticizing my, my, my writing years ago. And I think, you know, I've written multi, many books. And somebody criticized my, my writing. And, I, and it just, it came. It was like, it wasn't wisdom. It was just like, it was a knee jerk, right? And I just mm -hmm. said, how many books have you written? Oh. <laughs> it was like, it's a, yeah, it's a good question. Right? How many books <laughs> have you written? Well, I, I haven't, but I've read a lot. Well, good. It's when amazing. you've written a couple and you've made some bestsellers, Let's have a chat. Until then, yeah. I really don't care what you think. Mm -hmm. Because A, you don't even read my category. B, you don't understand my category. And C, you have no experience. So mm -hmm. really, your opinion is great, it's wonderful, and it's got nothing to do with me. Yes. One thing that I've noticed about you, especially during this conversation, is how you, you are protected. Like, you protect your... Um, you protect yourself against, like, especially against people that want to try to tear you down, but you're also very vulnerable. 
And I know that's because you're like, well, I'm vulnerable because I don't care. So I can be free and express myself. But is there a limit to vulnerability, especially in a company? Like for instance, um, this might be a bad example, but it's the only one I can think of. Um, when I was younger, I was in like a little church group and it was a little Bible study, great time, fun time. But it wasn't because these girls would come in and they'd just cry about how this boy didn't like him back or they'd just kind of be up, they'd just be upset because mom wouldn't give them 20 bucks for allowance. And it became that. And I felt like that was, you know, like, okay, that's vulnerable of you, but this is not, pro like, this isn't productive. How do you find good vulnerability in a company and how do you like how do you disperse it out so it's not like i don't want to say a crying session but a crying session it is yeah mm -hmm. it's a great question mm -hmm. and a mature question uh, because mm -hmm. most people don't understand it because when people think about certainly people in my age bracket um we were trained that vulnerability is weakness right mm -hmm. so you never show a, a chink in your armor you don't let people see the weakness uh, and on the other side of that is this vulnerability thing. So it seems like, oh my God, well, if I don't have the wall, then, then I have nothing. And then people, you know, it's all yeah, just emotional vomit. And that's what you're talking about is emotional vomit. That is not vulnerability. That's emotional vomit. Make sure you know the difference. Mm -hmm. So here's, here's the thing. I do care. I care deeply. I'm just not willing to have your opinion impact me if you don't have, if you want to say something to me, about some area you have expertise in. I, I, I have mentors, I have coaches and guides. I'm listening all the time. Uh, two of them on with me yesterday and they kicked my ass around something. Do I care? Absolutely I care because I value where they're coming from. They understand that. That's different. Vulnerability is different than emotional vomit. So here's, I'll give you the best example I, I, I wrote about it in the book, which is this. I want you to think about Tim Cook. Tim Cook is the CEO of Apple. Tim Cook came out about five years ago and said, I'm gay. That was vulnerable. You know, for a CEO in a, you know, very high value company to come out and say, I'm gay, could have affected stocks. He did it because he needed that vulnerability to be real, to be authentic, and to, let, to not hide. Fantastic. But did, did he say, and here's what I like to do in the bedroom. Did he start giving us all the gory details? Well, I like that lube and these toys. No, of course he didn't. <laughs> glad he didn't. <laughs> no, exactly. We're all glad he didn't because that would be emotional vomit. Yes. Right? That we don't need. So this is what people don't understand. It, everything in the mind is in polarity. So there's a wall where I don't let anything out or there's vulnerability where anything comes out. No, no, no. That's called discernment. And discernment means I, it's reciprocal. So I share something with you, you share something with me. And the depth escalates via reciprocity. If I don't have that with you, I have to start at the surface level of vulnerability. The first level is, you know, as I said, Tim Cook, I'm gay. Okay, but maybe in his private conversations, he's having a conversation with somebody who says, oh, I'm gay too. And I really like the, uh, the, the, the pomegranate uh, blend doodad and he's like yeah me too okay cool there's another level there mm -hmm. but it's it's reciprocity yeah. so vulnerability is not just puking out and so what people often think of is that vulnerability is permission to be a victim i have no interest in supporting people who are victims none victimhood is a choice i get when it happens that it's real so don't get me wrong so i have no insensitivity here by the way 
I worked as a counselor and a therapist in my 20s and dealt with rape victims and, and sexual molestation. So I have a ton of compassion for it. But if you're still crying that story 20 years later at every opportunity and not talking about how you've leveraged it to become stronger, then you're just running the victim story. So this is a vastly different thing. So when those girls would come in and complain that this boy doesn't like me, what you're really <laughs> saying is you're a victim. Suck it up, buttercup. You know what I mean? Build some resilience. And part of our problem <laughs> is society today is we've had, um, we had uh, parents like my generation oftentimes had parents who really was not very present at all. And so our generation and maybe even the generation after sort of said, oh, okay, well, we've got to be better parents. And they've turned into these bullshit helicopter parents and bulldozer parents and their kids have no resilience. So somebody says something mean to them and they go away and cry and they have to shut down the school. Get over yourself. People are going to say horrible things. It's all right. And if you don't build that resilience, you are not going to be successful because to make a difference in the world, you are going to get enemies. As my mate Larry Wingett says, who's a famous speaker, if, if he doesn't get two death threats a week, he knows he's lost relevance. And that's a great measure. I'm not suggesting you should go get death threats, but it's this understanding that if you're standing for something, if you don't have a, a, if you don't have a hill to die on, if you don't have a cause, if you don't have a purpose that's so important to you that you'll go out and you'll stand and fight while they throw crap at you, then you don't have one. Mm. And that makes a lot of sense. I, and I know I'm not. I hope to not get death threats until you know. I'll wait. I'll wait ten years till I get death threats. Right now, sure. but <laughs> but you're Build very. But you're very right. You're very right. You you need that resilience. And you know something that I've been seeing, especially in, in my generation. So millennials, uh, people a little bit older than me, that victim culture is still there. But what I'm seeing in younger people, um, maybe 18 less, um, maybe a little above 18, 19, 20. We're not taking that anymore. People that I've grown up around, even though we were young, maybe in middle school it was like that, mm -hmm. but then the more that we're all maturing and learning about the world, a lot of young people like me don't want to give in to that. They want to be resilient people and learn from their mistakes. So I'm excited. I'm excited for my generation under that terms that, you know, we don't really want to be victims. And it's amazing what you brought up. And especially in terms of vulnerability, this is a question that I really wanted to ask you. I was talking to Anne um, in the whole podcast, and I had no idea it was going to turn that direction. It was just finding her inner child. Mm -hmm. we're, we were talking about your fire, your passion. You know, you even though people loved you and wanted you to stay put, you just traveled the world and you did amazing things and it got you to an amazing place. But, you know, what is your inner child and have you kept that with you? Um, and what does it look like today? And has it ever changed? Oh, so now you're going to get into the serious shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I try. <laughs> I try. Yeah, that's good. That's wonderful. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, uh, in my study of psychology, um, Jungian work, and later on uh, Campbell's work, you know, it's all about the hero's journey, that inner journey. Yes. And that inner journey, as, as Campbell said, the treasure you seek can only be found in the cave you're afraid to enter. Mm -hmm. And that means you've got to look into the dark places. You've got to look into the places that you're afraid to look. And when do, where, where are those places? Well, there, there are a couple of places they absolutely exist. If you want to find that dark cave, look at your shame. 
What is the shame you're carrying around? When you look at your shame, you will find that dark cave. And most people will go, well, I ain't going in there. Okay, that's fine. But if you really want to make a difference in the world, you are going to have to enter that cave. And the other place you're going to find it is in your childhood. Now, let me be clear. I am not here in any way, shape, or form to say your parents were crap. They might have been. They might have been magnificent. But what I know is they were human. And what does that mean? It means they did some terrible stuff. And they did some amazing stuff. Because that's what humans do. Right? Uh, I'm, I'm a dad. I've got a, a grown-up daughter. I've got grandkids. I've got uh, sons. I've got, you know. And, and I know there are things I did as a parent that are spectacular. And continue to do things that are spectacular. But I know I've done some dumb stuff. And I've likely caused some damage. And I'm willing to be accountable to that. But in my own, I have to look at my own childhood and understand this. That that, what happened to me, I I was, again, I I want to let people understand this. I believe, it's not the truth, I believe that therapy is important. Mm -hmm. Heisenberg's principle, uncertainty principle states that when we observe a thing, the thing is changed and so are we. That's, that's. Heisenberg's uncertainty principle from quantum physics. That's not psychology. When we observe a thing, the thing is changed and so are we. That's why therapy is important. When we observe it, it changes and so do we. This is why you can't deny it. It's why the denial doesn't work. By looking at it. So I have to look at those things and that's what I did. I continued to do that work. Um, And my little boy got abandoned very fast. When I was seven years old, my dad came to me. I walked down the stairs, long hallway, light at the end of the hallway, the silhouette blocking the light, realized it was my dad. I came running down the stairs towards my dad and said, Dad, Dad, where are you going? Because I got a feeling something was wrong. My dad turned around, walked back down the hallway, crouched down to get to sort of eye height, put one hand on one shoulder, put the other hand on my shoulder, and ruffled my hair as if to knight me, and said, I'm going now. You're the man of the house seven years old mm. stole my childhood right there terrible thing to do to a child yeah was completely inadequately equipped to become man of the house but i you know that was put on me so i felt like i was responsible for all my siblings i felt like i was responsible for my mother who was very darkly depressed at that time and so my child got abandoned at that moment i i wouldn't have known that if i hadn't done the therapy but my child got abandoned at seven years old, and that was it. It wasn't until I was in my 20s and started, I started my work at 19 as in personal development. But in my 20s, I was like, and my therapist said, well, tell me about what it was like when you were a child. And I couldn't remember anything. Nothing. And it was, well, why do you think you can't remember? And it was because I don't remember being a child. If it was that category of child. If the person had said to me, tell me about when you were nine, I could have answered it. But she didn't. She was smart. She said, tell me about when you were a child. I don't ever remember being a child. Mm -hmm. So I knew that that inner child was lost. And that became the journey. So I began that work. And by the way, I'm now 61 years old. And that's still part of my journey. Every day I connect with my little boy. And he's still alive and within me. And has he Mm -hmm. changed? Yes. He's not fixed. So when I first met him, he was uh, he was about six or seven years old. 
Um, and this is in my mind, of course, right? So I went back in my mind and I met him. And he was about six or seven years old and he was terrified of me and he wasn't going to have anything to do with me. But as I continued that work, mm -hmm. he was able to come along with me. And I remember being a therapist in my, in my 20s and sitting and imagining him in the other chair. So my client would be over there and I imagine him over there. And when my client would say something that I didn't have the answer to, I would look to that chair and ask my little boy in my mind. And somehow intuitively I would get an answer. And it would usually be much better than mine. So I would oh, wow. say something. So I got connected to that. And that part of me, that child in me now is very playful and very joyous and very fierce. Oh. And reminds me to be goofy and silly and all those things. Um, and I don't know what you've seen of my stuff on Facebook, but on my personal page i post things differently than on my private business oh, page definitely, definitely. and on my on my personal page uh not last saturday the saturday before there's a picture of me sitting on a toilet with my pants around my ankles and a pink and purple wig on because my <laughs> wife walked into the bathroom and i said she was coming she was in the bedroom i said hey babe can you come in she comes in <laughs> i put this wig on i'm sitting on the toilet, like, looking at it like <laughs> why oh, because that's, that's the kid in me yeah that's the playful child in me. And it's also part of my commitment to my relationship, which is our relationship. You know, relationship is hard, real relationship. And I want to make sure it stays fun. And so commit to that. So I commit to on a daily basis that we laugh together. And we do. So yes. my child has evolved and grown. Mm -hmm. But I know that my greatest strength comes from that part of me. And so every night I say good, I say good night to my little boy. Mm. Every morning I say good morning to him. Every day I thank him for his courage and his wisdom and his laughter and all the things that he brings to me, all the things that were not allowed when I was a kid because there was too much responsibility. Mm. And that is amazing. That is an amazing Probably a deeper story. answer than you, than you were looking for. Oh, uh, no, that's, that's what I was looking for. Okay, it's, it's, it's important. I feel like it's important for, for people to hear those stories because it's real and it's what happened. Mm -hmm. Because somewhere else in the world, someone went through something similar. Absolutely. And I've met people who have. And they need to hear that because they need to know that they need to reconnect with their, their child, their inner child. Mm -hmm. So being raw, being vulnerable, and going that deep is extremely important because people need to know. I agree. And, with I, and I found that with a lot of interviews. When you give questions uh, like, well, you know, what was it like? That's why I always start off with your journey because you will, a lot of my guests, and that's okay, and was different, um, will give me the brief They'll give me uh, what happened on the surface. And that's completely fine. Sure. But when you dive into that, when you dig into that, and you get really personal with um, whoever you're talking to, you start to connect with that person. You really understand what they went through. And you can mm -hmm. see yourself in that person. And then, then you can truly learn from them. Um, or at least that's what I found. Yeah, but me too. <laughs> it's Absolutely. Amazing. But unfortunately, and I hate to say this because I could talk to you for hours, we're running out of time. So where can everyone find you? Where can everyone find your podcasts and your books and your social media? Thank you. That's very kind. Mm -hmm. You can find me if you go to fullmontyleadership.com. That'll give you access to everything. That, that There's a blog with about 800 articles on it. You've got access to uh, my podcast there as well. There's uh, multiple years of podcasts with some amazing guests. Some you even had, like Tom Bilyeu. And uh, some other <laughs> amazing guests are on there, which is uh, some really powerful interviews on there. Um, 
You can find out about my books there as well. You can also find me on Amazon. You can find me on all the social media platforms, of course, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram. I'm on all those kinds of places too. And I have a uh, YouTube channel with close to 800 videos on it. There's some really great stuff that's all free. All of those resources are free. And if you go to fullmontyleadership.com forward slash gift, G-I-F-T, if you go there, guess what? We're going to give you one of my eBooks absolutely free. You can go download it. You can listen to the podcast or whatever it is. But here's the thing I want to say to you. You know, yeah. Ava's put the time in here to bring you amazing guests. And I want to encourage you to make sure you let her know that you get value out of this because she puts the time and the energy in. So I want you to write to her. I want you to go on, on, on to Apple Podcasts. I want you to rate, review, subscribe to the show. I want you to share it with your friends. And then I want you to write to Ava and tell her you've done it and tell her what you got out of this show and tell me. So I want to know. Oh, yeah. My name is Dov, D-O-V, and my email is dov at dovbaron.com. D-O-V at D-O-V-B-A-R-O-N.com. Write and tell me what you got out of this, and more importantly, what are you going to do with it? Tell Ava too, because she's putting in the time and the energy and the effort. And you're busy. You got shit to do. You know. You're, <laughs> you're, you're thinking, what? Well, where am I going to get time to do this? Well, think about how much time she put in, and she did it for you. That's service. So make sure you let her know. Dove, thank you so much for being on. My pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>